The only instruction my wife gave me was to explain to you that wacky tacky Christmas picture. <laughs> so you don't wonder what's wrong with us. But uh, we, every year we put on a wacky tacky sweater Christmas party, but Don and I have elevated it to some different level. And uh, it's really taken on and the people enjoy that fellowship time together. We're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 today. And uh, I just want to say, um, just feel impressed right off the bat to say that, that I'm um, so grateful for salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. That um, my relationship with Jesus is the, the, the most important thing about me. It's the thing that sustains me. It's the thing that um, gives me joy and hope. It's the thing that gives me direction. It's the thing that gives me purpose. That the God of the universe who spoke all things into existence cared enough about us to take on flesh and become a man who would call himself father, who would call me a son. It is life-changing. It's a radical love that the God of the universe has for me that makes me who I am. And so I want to say this morning that I'm so grateful for my salvation. Um, I'm pleased to um, be able to pastor a church in the Adirondacks and uh, it is your North American Mission Board church plant uh, that has a long history. At this point, I, I'm starting to wonder if I should even call it a plant anymore because we have established a constitution and bylaws and we have members. And when I think about our journey, and uh, so I've shared some of this with you, that about eight years prior to us going and living there full time and pastoring this church, we brought a mission team from Macedonia to Lake Placid First Baptist to work on a world-class bobsled event and do some ministry work there. And one night the pastor says, hey, let's go to Elizabethtown. We're trying to start a Bible study over there. And so we drove at night in the middle of night. I never even really saw the town. We sang some carols in a social center. And uh, really, it was not inconsequential, really, uh, to me. And it's amazing to me to think that now I pastor the church <laughs> in the town that they were praying for over eight years ago, uh, that the gospel would, would spread there. And um, at this point, um, we're, we're a full-fledged church, you know. Praise God, Yes. Praise, praise God. And so um, I want you to know just how much you mean to the ministry there. And uh, really, it's essential to what we do. And I'm so pleased to see, like, really, even this year, just how much you guys have rallied around Life Church. And, and uh, I know that you guys are generous and you're praying for us. And we, we sense that. I think as a minister, one of the last things that you want to do is raise support. 
Uh, It's hard to ask people for money. There is something uh, uh, that's nice about here's my salary, and I know I go in, and that's what I'm going to get as a preacher. But as much as I kind of hated the thought of having to raise support to to live there, um, what I did not understand at the time was it is the relationships that mean so much to us. And I want you to know that I tell our people all the time that, that we're not alone here because sometimes it feels like we're insignificant and that we're alone. But I'm, I, I tell them all the time, you know, there's people praying for us. There's people that support this church. Half of our, half of our um, support, our ability to stay up there is, is churches that support us like you and individuals. And the other half is our tithes and offerings that come from our people. So you, you have a lot to do with our ability to stay up there, do ministry, and it's the relationships that we have with you that make us feel like we're not alone. Because it can feel at times like you're on an island there. We're talking about the, the most post-Christian cities in the nation are right where we live. Albany, Burlington, Montreal is like 98% uh, unchurched. And you, and you feel the sense of that. And, and I think that's what we miss. And even as, we, as we've been uh, back in the South, we, there's, we miss the, the Christian community. Yeah, we drove through a, a church, through a town in Texas, and there was a big billboard outside the town. And it said, this town loves Jesus. <laughs> the town of so-and-so loves Jesus. And we were like, man, the whole town? Could that be true? <laughs> you know, but you know, it's like you know, it's kind of uh, a culture shock for us, and it's a reminder to us of what we've left—the the Christian community—and uh, and where we live, it, it, it can be very difficult ministering and spiritually speaking. Um, it's a dark, dark place, and so well, I just want to say all that to say thank you for what you do to support us through your generosity, through your prayers. I'm so glad and thankful for your pastor that has a heart for this. And I think in Baptist life, we do have missions giving, but there's something that's impersonal about it in a way. And I think, I think the future of, of ministry, missions, and church planning is pastors like yours who have a have a heart for families because really this is about a family you care about the Bennett's and you care about like you care about Elizabethtown and I'm just so grateful that you guys are willing to give and even come and serve we're excited about you coming to paint our church building I am so grateful I've wanted to do this for years I'm calling it Operation Lipstick on a Pig. And so I don't know if you want to put that in your advertisements or in your, in your, in your whatever literature you have, but I'm so excited for Operation Lipstick on a Pig. Uh, I say pig because our building is rough. And uh, I, I have wanted for so long to be able to paint that. And I know that you think, well, what, how is painting missions. I, we need to be sharing the gospel. And, 
and uh, you will get the opportunity for that. But I, I want you to know in this town how important it has been that the Bennetts have actually bought a home and that you guys would come. They are baffled. They're like, will they come paint my house? I'm like, no. I'll paint your house. <laughs> you, you get Jesus and we'll talk about it. I might send them over there. But they're kind of baffled at that, that you guys would do that. But it means a lot to them because our home is about 100 year old, years old and there's a lot of history. And it's about every week someone's telling me something new about our house. Hey, do you know someone was murdered in there? I'm like, what? I mean, there are more stories about our house. But um, the fact that we would do something to beautify our community, and I'm excited to see what the community is going to say when we put lipstick on that pig, you know, and giving our church a sense of, you know, of ownership of where they are and, and, uh, and being a witness into, to our community. So, man, I'm excited that you guys are coming, and I'm grateful. Hey, I want to say thank you for lending Cliff and Mana to us. <laughs> Guys, I know uh, that that is a big void in your church this past month. Man, Cliff's like, hey, I, I, I scraped your chimney, and uh, I'm going to put some mortar on it, then I'm going to seal it, and I'm going to repaint it. I'm like, what? <laughs> My dad wouldn't do something like that if, when he was alive. You know. The other day he texted me, he's like, hey, I, I had your, cess, your cesspool pumped. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Cliff. I mean... <laughs> I may not let him come back, guys. He and Maynard are just so special to us. And, you know, we've told you our story. Don and I have both lost our parents. And, uh, and you know, we kind of, like, lament that we don't have parents, and sometimes maybe we, you know, we, we get uh, kind of sour about it. But what I have seen is that God has put people in our life that have uh, filled that gap there. And uh, Donna calls them our grandparents. And uh, so we, we could, our grandparents are better than our, than our real parents were. They, 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 are, they are amazing people. And we're so grateful for people like that who have loved us and supported us. And, um, and it's just a testimony to God's provision for his people. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really gr- grateful for them. I'm very thankful uh, for, for them. We're going to spend some time in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're, we're going to talk about uh, our, our fragrance um, in this passage. And uh, it's in chapter 2, verse 12. And I, I, want, you, I want you to, to read this. I want you to read this with me. And uh, let's unpack it this morning. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma leading 
to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as for God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. What, what makes you and I the fragrance of Christ? What makes us the fragrance of Christ? You know, I'm thinking a lot about this past year and the difficulties of COVID in ministry uh, in the midst of, uh, of COVID. Uh, we've, we lost maybe half of our people uh, during that time. And for four months, we were virtual. So everything we were doing was virtual before we began to gather uh, back together again. And, and I, I just, I got the sense during this time, the thing that was most clear to me that the Lord shared with me is that I just must remain faithful. I just need to remain faithful. I thought a lot about uh, ministers that I had in my life growing up, great men of God, and what I, what I was reminded about, of, about their lives is just their faithfulness. These were, these were uh, pillars. They were, they were places to stand. They, their faithfulness to the gospel, to, to, to loving us and caring for us. And, and I, I was reminded that I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. I need to be faithful. If there was ever a time that God's people need to remain faithful and continue doing the things that God has called them to do and be unwavering in their mission, it, it's now. And so when we're looking at the, the, what, is it, it, what is it to be the fragrance of God, when we see here in the scriptures, we see that Paul, he, he, is, he came to preach Christ's gospel. And that may be a phrase that we would move past quickly. But I encourage you just in your Bible study to camp out in Scripture. Uh, did, did, was there ever a time, or maybe now, uh, you, when, you're, when you're studying Scripture, you do the old, you flip the Bible open, and you, you know, God speak to me, you know, and you read some crazy verse that doesn't make sense to you. You ever done that? I encourage you to Spend time in God's Word and wrestle with it. And you don't read the Scripture like you read the newspaper or scroll through your phone. Read Scripture in its context. And you are a theologian. You spend time in God's Word and you find the points there. You, you, there is a, a, a central meaning to the text and there are things that God is teaching us. And If I can just tr chase a, a, a rabbit for a moment. I don't think that we come to Scripture with the idea saying, what does this mean to me? Rather, we should say, what is God saying to me specifically in this passage? Now, what I mean by that is I think if we say, what does Scripture mean to me? What we, the problem with that is that we have to have a presupposition that I am flawed that I am emotional at times, that I don't see things clearly, that my understanding of things is tainted by my experience. 
and that I believe that the God of the universe is ultimate truth. And what we have in the scriptures is truth. And he's trying to say something very particular to us here. And, and in this passage, we can't move past the fact that Paul came to preach Christ's gospel. What is it to be the fragrance of Christ? It is to be gospel focused. The gospel has to be the center of our lives. It can't be something that we compartmentalize. It's not part of your life. It's not, I am this, 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 and this, and I'm also a Christian as well. It's not something that I just do on a Sunday morning or I just need uh, a part of the day. It is integral to everything we do and it is who we are. We are followers of Christ. We are bought with a price. God, in the same way that he created the universe, think about this, he created in you a new heart. That, 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 those terminology there, that, that picture is the picture of creation. God doesn't take your, uh, your broken heart, your heart of stone, and fix it up. No, he gives you a new one. Amen. He gives you a new one. You're no longer who you say that you are, you're no longer who people say you are. You are now a child of God. You have a new status. You're a new creature. Guys, we emit a fragrance to the world. But it only comes by our gospel focus when Christ is the center of our life. Paul's purpose to coming there was to preach Christ. Matthew 28, 18. The preaching of the gospel is integral or precedes the gospel, precedes disciple making, but it is mandated for you and I to do so. The preaching of the gospel is mandated for you and I. We are proclaimers of the gospel, not just Scotty. You are. You're a herald, as the scriptures say. You preach the gospel. Preach it to your children. You preach it to the people you work with. You preach it to your classmates. You share the gospel. You have the good news. You proclaim that. That's what, that's what makes us a fragrance to the world. And it makes us pleasing to the Lord. It's the gospel-centered uh, nature of our life. I want you to think differently about your profession. That you're not just an employee of a certain company, but you're a follower of Jesus and you get to work here and that is an opportunity for you to share the gospel. And you know what? At the end of the day, you may bring home some money. You're not a boss of a company or a CEO. You're a follower of Jesus and you get the privilege to have leadership over men and women and you are going to use that as an opportunity to to, pour, uh, the, to shine the light of Christ in the place that you work. Guys, you're not just a student. You're not just an athlete. You're a follower of Jesus. And you get to go to school and you have a circle of friends and you get to hang out with people and you get the opportunity to, to speak into the lives of your friends and share with them the gospel. It, it is a change of mindset when we begin to understand that Jesus is not just a part of who I am. It is 
who I am. And I love that about Paul because Paul really seems to have no other interests in Scripture other than to proclaim the gospel. And I know that may be uncomfortable to some of you to think about that level of commitment to the gospel. But that is what, uh, that is what makes Paul this, this fragrance because he, he's so gospel-focused. And I wonder what the world thinks of us when we become so passionate about any number of things. And I love Crimson Tide football, 18 national championships. I just wanted to say that this morning. And I know most of you are Georgia fans, but my dad was born and raised in Alabama. And so I was indoctrinated early on, and I'm so grateful that I was. And I can get pretty passionate about that. And I'm sure some of you love your sports teams. And I'm sure some of you get passionate about fishing, and I can get really excited about that too. And I'm sure you can get passionate about any number of things. But what is most, what are we most passionate about? Like what, what motivates and drives us? What does the world know about us? If you were to ask your friends and ask your neighbors, does this person, are they a Christian? Would they be able to say, oh, certainly they are? What would they say about you and I? I think what we see here in, in Scripture is a call uh, for us to be gospel-focused. That's Christ dying on the cross so that our lives could be so enveloped in Him and who He is that we emit a fragrance to the world that is pleasing to the world. What is it to be gospel-focused? It is to be unwearied and diligent. Chapter 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas, I preached Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me, and I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. It, he went to Troas from Philippi by sea in Acts chapter 20, verse 6, and so here, here he is finding himself in Macedonia, and he was presented, pre prevented from passing through Corinth as he had originally designed. And so what you see is this, uh, this unwary diligence in his uh, mission. He's not thwarted by uh, a change of plan or, or failure. There, there, there seems to be this real desire to, to, to fulfill the mission of Christ. And when I think about you and I as as we feel the, uh, this calling on our life, I think the, the, the problem in the church today is the, a lack of discipleship. I think you and I, I think the church is good at, at, at getting you to come down and to pray a prayer and ask Jesus in your life. And what, what I have noticed, generally speaking, is that we kind of pat you on the back and say, hey, good luck. I hope you make it. But that's not what scripture looks like. Jesus himself modeled it, that we come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ and we teach them what it is to be a follower of Christ. And scripture shows us that I should have spiritual brothers and you should be able to ask me and say, Pastor Josh, who are your spiritual sons in Christ? And I can say, let me show you where I poured into this young man and this person in this person. Pastor Josh, who is your spiritual fathers? Well, let me tell you about some godly men in my life that, that speak truth into my life. We don't do that well. We don't do that well. And I think that is the really the indictment on the church, Scotty. 
that we do not do that well. We do not disciple ourselves well. And so the, the result of that is that we think following Jesus is about getting heaven and getting blessings, and that's the end goal. I'm in. I made it. But the reality is that not only did God save you, and that's what grace is defined as, not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you didn't deserve. So God only, he doesn't only say, you know what, I forgive you, and you're not getting what you deserve, but I, I am imparting my righteousness to you. I can use you. Do you know what, think about what Peter did. Peter denied him three times, didn't he? Jesus, after being resurrected, met him there at that little campfire and said, hey, you know what? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then go feed my sheep. I think maybe none of us have done anything so bad as what Peter did, is to deny his Savior right in front of him. And what does Jesus do? Jesus' desire is to not only forgive him, but say, hey, on you I'll build my church. I'll build my church on you. God, that's... That's the point that I want to share with you this morning. That it's not just that you get heaven and it's not that you just get blessing, but God has a call on your life. You have a purpose. You have a mission. And I think we spend so much of our life toiling after things to justify ourselves or, 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 or we pour our passions into things that, that are not in line with God's will for our life. It tells us at the end of the Matthew what we're supposed to do. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. He's unwearied and diligent in his work. You know, when I think about my uh, daily witness to people at the cafe, I have a cafe that we run by donation. It's a way to connect with people. And so people come in, and I've built relationships with people. And I heard this statistic, and it may not be... Uh, like totally accurate, but the, it was many years ago you could share the gospel with, with people like three or four times. If you, sh- if you really gave a good gospel presentation, they would likely get saved. Now you have to share the gospel with them like 20 times. Now whether those numbers, it's like on the 20th time uh, that person will get saved, the point there is that that you have to continue to share the gospel with people. And I think sometimes you and I, we don't like rejection. And, you know, we say, hey, brother, you know, do you want to, you know, let me tell you about Jesus. And we get rejected and we're like, well, I'm done. That's it. Because no one likes rejection. No one likes to be rejected. And it's difficult to share the gospel because it's uncomfortable. And I know there are so many things that, uh, that weigh on us and push against us that, to keep us from, from sharing the gospel. But I say to you that what makes us the fragrance of Christ is our continuous message to our friends in the community of the gospel of Jesus. That, that we're not weary, we're not... Uh, we're not, you know, stopped by the advances in the in the, the the rejections of the gospel, but that we're continuously sharing the gospel because it must be important to us. And what does it say? What does it speak to those who we would maybe never share the gospel with, having known Jesus, or maybe given up after the first time, having known Jesus? I want you to think about it differently from this point on. 
Jesus, your Savior, was rejected. So you being rejected is like a notch on your belt. You should want to be rejected. It should be something you strive after. And I know this is so counter to the way we think about life because everything we do is about being accepted. I want to get a like when I post a picture on Facebook. But those of us who are followers of Jesus, if we want to look most like Christ, we will be rejected in this world. And that is a badge of honor to us because in your rejection of the gospel, you look the most like Jesus. You look the most like Jesus. Well, you say, well, I look the most like Jesus when I wear a Jesus t-shirt and I have a Jesus bumper sticker and I come to church. No, you look most like Jesus when you're rejected for the gospel because our Savior was rejected. And to spin this another way to make it positive, when you're rejected, that's one. Okay, I got 19 more to go. <laughs> I hope you're keeping a tally, maybe in your Bible. You're sharing with your neighbor. Oh, I'm going to talk to him next week about Jesus, maybe, or three weeks down the road. All right, there's two. I've been rejected twice. Okay, I got 18 more, you know. We have to think about it that way. That is what makes us the fragrance of Christ, that we are unwearied and diligent in our mission. Gospel-focused lives are looking also for open doors to speak freely about Jesus. Look at verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. Notice that Paul recognized the open door. Do you think sometimes in your life, and I am also guilty, that there have been many open doors in my life to be the fragrance of Christ, to share the gospel, and I missed that open door? I did not, I did not realize it. One, because I was too busy and I wanted my orders at McDonald's now because I had to be somewhere now, and I'm frustrated and I'm mad. <laughs> Or I'm at someone's house and a door is open there, something's said. How many doors are open? Paul notices that doors are open for you and I. God creates opportunities for you and I to share the gospel. Are you aware of those opportunities? I want to tell you something cool that's happened over this past year. We've formed a little girl gang. We call ourselves the X-Chromes. Let me explain that to you. There are about eight fathers and we all, all we have is daughters. And so there's like 15 to 20 little girls. And we ride mountain bikes. We mountain, we climb. Uh, we hike. We spent all winter, this is how we spent our winter, because sports were shut down in the New York. We spent our winter in a climbing gym. We had 12 weeks there. The girls got lessons. We were with some other little girls and dads and we actually, they, they wrote an article about us and we got in the paper, you know, the, the people are really like rallying around how neat it is that these fathers are spending time with their girls. And uh, it's been a great chance for me to share the gospel. God's opened the door with some of these men for me to begin to speak into their lives. And uh, just recently, since the snow went away, we, we went outside and we're climbing and so the girls are rock climbing, and I'm sitting there with one gentleman, and he's belaying another girl. And um, the girl's name was Grace. 
And uh, I said, that's God's unmerited favor. And he was like, what does that mean? And I began to share the gospel. <laughs> and it was such a great conversation. You know, he and I sitting there on the side of a mountain, he's belaying this young lady named Grace. And I'm talking about God's grace and mercy. I'm talking about the judgment and wrath of God. That's where the cross meets. God's grace and mercy is there. God loved you and forgave you. Those are the open doors. I don't, hey, I like to share that, and that's a victory. And I, I, don't, I don't always see it correctly, and sometimes I miss those open doors. But that is what makes us the fragrance of Christ to the lost world when we are passionate about Jesus and we're sharing the gospel. Why would the world ever want anything that we profess about Jesus if we're not passionate about it of ourselves and we're not sharing it with others? Well, these people really must not care much about Jesus. They never tell me. They never tell me about Him. I want to say to you, it's not appealing to the lost world for you to invite them to church. But that's what we do to get out of sharing the gospel. Because we think if I invite them to Harmony Grove, well, maybe Scotty will share the gospel with them. But that's not appealing. It may be appealing to you because you know how much you love your church and how special it is for you. But do you know what that's like to the lost world? Church? I don't go to church. What is appealing is that there is a God in the universe who created you and made you. And that He forgives sins. And you no longer have to carry the burden of the weight of the guilt and shame in your life for the sin in your life. That you can have a relationship with God. That God can give you purpose and meaning for the first time in your life. That He has the power to heal your marriage or help you understand what your value is. That in Christ and with His people, you can have fellowship of the Holy Spirit and there is a commonality that you can have and you can have a family. That is the Gospel. That's what's appealing There are open doors for you and I to be a fragrance to the lost world. And I pray that it is our heart to want to diffuse the, the love of God to the world that so desperately needs it. The world is dying. You know, kind of draw to a close this morning. Um, do you, you remember the, you know, the little Wrigley's plant? Is that on 85? 95, 95. I, I drove by that always. I, growing up, I would always drive by that. And it didn't, doesn't it smell great? I mean, a business that like emits this aroma that's just like, it's chewing. It's awesome. I used to think, I, was, I wished, I, was, I wish my dad worked there, you know, so he could bring me home gum. And then I could smell like, you know, him like when he comes home and stuff. But you know what the, the, the reality of is that is that even if my dad worked at the Wrigley plant, he would come home, he would smell like chewing gum, and that would be amazing. But in time, it, it, that would wear off. And the thing about the aroma is that it's only in proximity to the work. It's only in proximity to him being there and doing the work, working with the gum and making it. And it's the same thing with you and I as followers of Jesus. Our aroma, our fragrance to the lost world is only um, 
as good as our proximity to the work. The things that matter to Christ. The things that are most important, important to Christ. That you, God made you and created you for a purpose. And that is to glorify Him. And that your salvation really is less about you and more about Him. And I know that that's hard to swallow. Because we want to think that it's all about us. But really, Christ died for His glory, ultimately. Because He's God. You have to be okay with that. He's the God of the universe. Our minds cannot even begin to fathom the glory of God. And He does things for His glory. And your salvation is about His glory. And the beautiful byproduct of that is that you also get to be a son of the king, a daughter of the king. And you get the inheritance. And you get to spend eternity with Him. And you get joy. And you get peace. You get that spirit of adoption. All of that is made uh, offered to you by His Son. But ultimately, your design, your salvation is about His glory. Are we, are we glorifying the Lord? Are we a fragrance to the lost world? It's only by our proximity to the work. It's not something you can spray on in the morning. You've got to do the work. You have to be gospel-focused, diligent, unwavering, looking for open doors and understanding that I, my salvation is not just about getting heaven and getting blessing, but that I have a calling on my life. That I'm, I'm bought with a price and now I have a purpose. I'm to make disciples. Guys, I think great revival will take place in our churches and awakenings in our communities if the people of God understand their calling on their life, their purpose as the fragrance of God to the lost world. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I love you and I praise you. And I thank you for salvation. And God, I thank you for bringing me to Elizabethtown, New York. Because I have begun to know in a deeper way that the only, the only thing I've got going for me is the gospel. Lord, I certainly don't have a lot of people in my church. I don't have a ton of resources. There's not very many programs like you would describe here in the South there. Lord, I really don't have enough life experiences. I'm not, Father, particularly a great speaker um, or particularly intelligent to whatever degree. But what I see you doing there, Father, is it just looks like the New Testament. They preached the gospel and people were saved. And that was enough. And God, that's the same thing today for, that's the same word for us today. Your power is no different than it was in Acts They preached the gospel and people were saved. God, I pray that that's enough for Harmony Grove. That they wouldn't get so focused on the, on the trellis work and forget the vine. 
that they would understand that their greatest resource is the proclamation of the gospel. And it's not just from their pastor. Oh, how blessed they are to have a pastor that would preach the gospel. But how greater it would be that the the people preach the gospel. God, I just pray, Lord, just like in Acts, when they were harassed and, and told to keep their mouths shut, they gathered together and they prayed for boldness. I think that the need of the church today is a spirit of prayer for boldness. God, give us the boldness to not uh, wither under the culture in this world, but to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. This community doesn't need Harmony Grove Baptist Church. It needs the gospel. That's what it needs. Elizabethtown doesn't need Life Church. It needs the people of Life Church to preach the gospel in their lives and in their families and in their communities. God, I pray that we would never lose focus. God, I don't want to ever just be about good works and not a proclamation of the gospel to go along with the good things I do. God, we love you and praise you. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit is, is working powerfully this morning in our hearts. It's bringing conviction, Lord. I pray that as a result, Father, people would go from this place boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Understanding that their purpose is to be gospel-focused, a fragrance to the world. God, we just love you and praise you. Father, we pray all this in your name. Amen.